Hi, this is Mary Kay's Positivity Podcast. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher and life coach. I'm also author of several self-help books. Mary Kay's Positivity Podcast is about strategies to think positively every day. We will cover relationships, positive energy, the power of attraction, and how to mindfully experience each day so that you can become your best self. I'm excited and honored today to be speaking with Karen Lewis all the way in Mississippi. She has a remarkable story of healing as a survivor of childhood abuse. Karen is a former certified public accountant who was actually declared completely disabled by two rheumatologists before she found HMR, which stands for Holographic Memory Resolution. She has now cleared her autoimmune disorders and tests negative for rheumatoid. She is a certified HMR practitioner and executive director of Michael's Gift, which is a nonprofit promoting education and research for healing trauma. So I am delighted to welcome you. Thanks, Karen, for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me today. I've enjoyed your meditations and Excited to talk with you today. Oh, thanks. Well, I did create this podcast to address how anxiety creates disorder and dysfunction in the body. And hopefully people leave with a few strategies to eliminate anxiety. And because of your success story was really inspired because I think holographic memory resolution would really help a lot of people from all levels of stress and and anxiety, and stories of abuse. So tell us a little bit about your story, how you discovered HMR. I was in a childhood that would have been envied by many, except they didn't see what was going on behind the doors, behind the closed doors of that home. My father had PTSD from World War II and was diagnosed bipolar very late in life. My mother had been abused as a teenager, and so symptoms of abuse were just ignored and not talked about and put aside, and we just went on with life. Mm-hmm. So I also was abused in, in every way you can describe abuse as a child. So growing up as the eldest child, I just thought if I tried to be a perfectionist, tried to make everything okay, I could make my dad feel better. And I could make my mom feel better because she was suffering depression from living with all of his traumas and his angry outburst, as, which was one of the symptoms of the bipolar as well. So tell us how anxiety manifests in the body. Okay, this is my approach, my personal approach, not so much dealt with with HMR, although we work a whole lot with a lot of anxiety with clients. But my description of anxiety may be a little bit different from other people. I believe from working with clients and from experiencing emotions myself that anxiety is not really one of our primary emotions, but instead it's a state of feeling in the body when several of the emotions combine. And I like to describe it kind of like a tornado or a dust storm, and that turbulence is made up of several different emotions. The emotions we normally deal with, I like to say that they're five. It helps clients to clarify and realize they're not as many as they think there are. 
And mm-hmm. so the primary emotions I like to work with are anger and fear and sadness and shame. And the last one is loneliness or abandonment. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes hopeless or helpless comes in there as well. And we don't want to discount that. But if you think of any emotional words you can come up with, you can usually classify those as one of those five. And those are simple words. Mm -hmm. But to me, anxiety occurs when we have several of those and when our body is not used and our whole system is not used to experiencing and addressing and talking about our emotions so we try to hold them in because they feel uncomfortable. And when we push down anger and fear and sadness, as an example, the experience in the body is anxiety. Mm-hmm. And the anxiety is the, the trigger response from our amygdala and our hippocampus, the old parts of our brain. Mm-hmm. When those parts feel triggered, they create adrenaline and cortisol. Mm-hmm. so that we can we can fight or flight. Right. Well, I find that our fight or flight was supposed to activate when there was danger, your life was at risk, or divorce or death in the family. And now it seems like they're activated, you're missing your skirt, you took a bad picture, and it seems like the trigger for anxiety is more intense today. Well, part of that, I think, is the media. The media realized with 9-11, if they could show us a vision of a plane hitting a building over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. they could keep us hypnotized to the screen. Right. And trauma hypnotizes us to make us think that is happening currently. And that's what happens with anxiety. I'll give you an example from my life. Yes. I was triggered for many, many years until I found HMR. I was triggered by green chairs and green trucks and Western boots and the smell of leather and those types of things. Mm -hmm. And even when I went to a psychologist's office, he had a green chair and he said, you need to sit here. And I backed up as if he had slapped me and said, I cannot sit there. That, again, was before HMR. My body was being triggered. Right, right. And I was triggered by fear, and I was triggered by sadness, and I was triggered by anger. I mean, all of those things were being held in my body. Mm -hmm. And when, again, it's more than one of those primary emotions, it creates a system of anxiety in our body. So with clients, I love saying you will use anxiety we can help get rid of anxiety hmr is beautiful working with anxiety mm-hmm. and i also like to ask them what are the emotional contents of that anxiety because as soon as we can name one of those five primary emotions we weaken the anxiety mm-hmm. we weaken its effect on our body right What if you have all these symptoms from anxiety, but no memory of an event? Like many women block out traumatic sexual experiences, especially when they were younger. That's such a great question. With HMR, we deal with the emotion. Mm -hmm. There's something we call T minus one, which is the millisecond right before our body froze. Mm -hmm. 
And so if, if we can get, and the body will help us, HMR uses the body to say, where are you feeling anxiety, for mm. example, in the body? And how young were you? And what emotions are coming up for you? We do not, unlike EMDR, we never go back through the entire event unless the client really requests it. And we don't have to because the emotional feeling is what locks that memory into the body. Mm -hmm. And so like the example you gave, the fear was so overwhelming, possibly, that they didn't remember anything after that. Right. And they don't have to. They remember the very, very, very strong emotion. And we work to help release that and change that emotion and convince the conscious and the subconscious that they're not in that event anymore. That's yeah. the main way HMR works. It makes so much sense. realize what age you are now. Right. It makes so much sense. And for our audience, holographic memory resolution is an emotional reframing technique that helps the client resolve the emotional impact of stress-inducing events by doing just that, not having to relive it, but getting to that moment and really shifting the thought process, correct? Exactly. And HMR uses mind and body and energy and color. Because, again, my interpretation, it's not exactly Brent's words, but my interpretation is anytime we gasp, anytime we go, <gasps> right, that type of event that causes that response, that's like the body is taking an entire a picture of the entire circumstances surrounding you and saying, I'm going to remember that in case something ever smells or feels or tastes or acts like that again. Right. And so what we actually do is find out where that moment was, what the emotion was at that time. It might have been intense anger, and we weren't able to do anything about that anger because we knew it would the situation would be worse if we expressed our anger. So we just grabbed it and held it in the body. Right. And, and the body will tell us through HMR exactly where it's held. And the client always knows how to reframe it. Let's convince the subconscious that we're not there anymore. And the color represents the energy frequency that was severed in the body at the time of the negative event because our body is made up of energy right and our energy flow was stopped at that that t minus one moment so the color convinces the entire nervous system that we're not there anymore i know it sounds strange it's, it's very very simple very very powerful but very hard to explain <laughs> and so for you your body kept score by creating these debilitating symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis and you couldn't walk. That's pretty significant. So would you say that when the body goes through this trauma, that it just, it stores the trauma in different parts of the body? It absolutely does. We have a software system with about 150,000 memories with HMR clients that tell exactly where the memory was stored in the body, what the emotion was, what the reframe was to convince the subconscious that 
they made it through there. And what color was used to heal the energy frequency in the body? And so let's go back to my example. My example, my body wasn't really creating the autoimmune. The autoimmune was a result of the consistent, insistent triggers in the body. Mm -hmm. And I explain it this way. When the body is triggered, in my case, by the green chairs and the green trucks and the smells of leather and many, many other things, Mm -hmm. even at age in my 50s, my body was still being triggered by that. So what happens now, we're learning the old parts of the brain, the amygdala and hippocampus, kind of at the back, Mm -hmm. the early developed brain, not what develops later in childhood, but the early developed brain is the one that looks at these things and says, is it safe? And those didn't feel safe to me. That brain doesn't have a lot of executive function, a lot of rational functioning. It simply says, does it look or feel safe? Mm-hmm. And those parts of the brain were telling my body, it's not safe. You've got to run or you've got to fight. And so they were sending messages to the lower part of the body, the muscular part. They were sending adrenaline and cortisol down. And we now know that when those things are happening in the body, by default, our immune system shuts down. Our thymus, our T-cell production, which is our entire immune system, shuts down and or malfunctions because it's getting way too much adrenaline and cortisol. And we know when the fight-flight takes over, our digestion is not happening. Our immune system is simply not happening. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much my body was creating immune disorders. It was that the immune disorders were happening because my body was so frequently in a fight-or-flight mode. Right. Now, I see this happening with more and more people today. What are signs adults should look for in their child of anxiety? Well, with children, they, they change in and out of emotions so fast, it's hard to see. Mm-hmm. But the main thing is just to, to look for changes. Look for changes in sleeping, changes in behavior, irritability Mm -hmm. that wasn't there before, those types of things. And the problem with that for parents and recognizing is often the parents are already in a state of irritability or anxiety themselves, and the children are simply feeding off of that. So often the parents are not calm enough and, and resolved enough in themselves to notice what's happening with the children because they themselves are the ones experiencing the the triggers. So from the time you first experienced holographic memory therapy, how long did it take to actually work and heal your symptoms? Oh, I love that story. So I met Brent at a retreat. That's a fun story as well, but I won't go into that right now unless you have time. So I met him. I met him at a retreat. What's his name? My daughter actually was Brent. Brent. B-R-E-N-T. Okay. Baum, B-A-U-M. Okay. He's originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is very near me. And the neat thing was our grandfathers grew up in the same small town in Louisiana. Oh, what a small world. Yeah, it is. I didn't know Brent until I was 55. And so my daughter was with Teach for America in Hawaii. And she was hiking one weekend and fell off a cliff and broke 
several ribs and was having panic attacks. So she called some people she knew to ask for recommendations, and they said, well, you've got to go to Maui. There are two ladies there. She was she was in Oahu, but there are two ladies in Maui who do this really strange body energy thing that seems to help people who are experiencing anxiety and panic attacks. Wow. So she took $40 and flew to Maui and worked with them, and they were some of the first ones trained in HMR almost 30 years ago. And they found out she was from Mississippi and said, you need to go to Brent Baum's retreats in Mississippi. He does a retreat in Mississippi every year. And she was teaching school. The retreats were in March. And she said, I can't go, but I'd like to send my mother. So she called me and said, for your birthday this year, I'm sending you to Brent Baum's retreat. And she said, as a teacher, I don't have the money to pay for a retreat, even though it wasn't expensive. She said, you're going to pay for it, but I'm going to make all the reservations. <laughs> so that was, <laughs> and having a daughter, you kind of know how that works. Right, right. They're so thoughtful. And, uh, yes, it was the best birthday present I ever got. Exactly. So I went to Brent's retreat, and as a part of retreat, a free session was included in the retreat fee. And I had one session with him then. He was staying in Baton Rouge near me with relatives for a few days to visit after that. So I had two more sessions before he went back to Tucson, where he lives. Mm -hmm. And I went back to my psychologist. I had been to talk therapy for about 10 years, passed around from therapist to therapist. I had been determined not a candidate for EMDR because my dissociative levels were so high. So I went back to my regular therapist. And after talking to me about 20 minutes, she threw her notepad down and she said, I never had any hope you would get to this level of healing. And I smiled and said, well, then I know you want to learn HMR so you can help other people. Right. And she said, no, I've been doing this so long. I really don't think I want to add anything else. Oh, my God. And so, I, yeah. Sounds like so you were with I the wrong was. one. <laughs> Yeah. So I stomped my foot. She was wonderful. She she did. I'm so glad she did not recommend and do a EMDR with me. Oh, because yeah. she believed to take try to take me back through the event would have triggered me too greatly and been very harmful for me. Mm-hmm. Because HMR doesn't go back through the event as we talked earlier. So so she she dropped that notepad and. Being uh, disabled, 100% disabled CPA at the time, I just stomped my foot and I said, well, if you're not going to do it, then I will. That's and so I great. took several years of training to to be able to do this work because it's just, it's just too important. It's amazing. No, amazing, it sounds Amazing like client stories. So did you see your physical symptoms disappear or how long did that take? You obviously immediately felt better. Yes, I immediately felt better and more relaxed, and I had more clarity about my life, and I didn't feel as heavily burdened by the burdens of the past. Mm-hmm. I continued to do HMR whenever Brent was in town, because at that time he was not doing it virtually, even though he certainly does now. What I think happened the most about the change in my body was that I felt deserving. I had gotten rid of the shame I had gotten rid of some of the sadness 
not all of it that early, but the primary thing was the shame. Mm-hmm. I realized that I had not done anything wrong. And because I had gotten rid of shame, my thinking was, I deserve better. Mm-hmm. I deserve to take care of myself. I deserve to speak up when a doctor says something and I don't agree and it doesn't fit for my body. Mm-hmm. I deserve to exercise. I deserve to take time every day for joy mm-hmm. and peace. And I also realized, because my father had so many angry issues, I realized the love of God and of my higher power mm-hmm. that I had always felt the wrath because of my earthly father's wrath. Right. But I hadn't felt the love. So I think that was the biggest shift, Mary Kay. I really Mm -hmm. feel like I began to speak up for myself. I began to do things for myself that were healthy. Mm -hmm. And my body just changed over time, but, but pretty rapidly as well. Oh, that's such a beautiful story. Did you do anything else to help support HMR, like meditation or walking in nature or continue talk therapy? Yes, but what was funny is it didn't feel like I needed it. It felt like I deserved it and I wanted it. Mm -hmm. And I did it out of joy. And because I wasn't triggered so often, I could sit and do meditation because we know now meditation is very triggering for a lot of people because it's a time when they're quiet enough that their body tries to speak up and bring up and relieve some of the pains of the past. Oh, that's interesting. So, uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. I was able to sit with myself. There are a lot of research projects about how meditation in quiet places and spaces are very uncomfortable for people with PTSD, for example. Mm -hmm. They have to keep going and keep doing. Can you share some stories of other people with physical symptoms or anxiety that was able to be corrected or healed through HMR? Sure. I just just love your podcast and its positivity. Oh, thanks. And (laughs) (laughs) and so that, that fits. You know, people who are in a wheelchair like I was or disabled or whatever. It's just Mm -hmm. so nice to say. And and by the way, I'm not in a wheelchair anymore and haven't been since HMR at all. And with clients, I have three physicians now who recommend their patients to me. And they recommend them when they can't find anything wrong, but they're still experiencing pain. HMR works beautifully with chronic pain. Mm -hmm. Or they recommend them when the medications backfire or when they realize they simply can't give them any more medication, they're already on too much. Mm -hmm. And so one example is a pelvic floor specialist. Mm -hmm. And as you might imagine, the pelvic uh, floor issues are often a result of sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And so one of my favorites is a client who was struggling as a newlywed, relaxing with sex with her very own husband. Mm -hmm. And it was because he was triggering thoughts by what he said or the way he acted or the the physical things he did were triggering uh, a rape situation that she had had as a very young girl. 
And so HMR helps resolve that and convince her body that you don't have to be protected against this man and you made it through safely from that event and just, you know, change the marital situation. Because imagine how frustrating it is for a husband who doesn't know what he's doing wrong. He's just triggering her body. Right. And it doesn't make any sense to him because he knows the event's over, but her body doesn't. Right, right. So that's one of my favorites. Right. And then there are a lot of people who have all kinds of illness. I'm finding now that a lot of my older uh, clients have had breast cancer, and mm-hmm. that's often a broken heart from a situation often with the mother. So there's some comparisons that- here and some things we're learning. And we also have done quantitative EEGs to show exactly what's happening with the brain after only one session of HMR. We do a QEEG right before the session and another one immediately after. And it's quite fascinating to see how the, the brain cohesiveness and the way the parts are working together and the, the uh, way the brain is flowing and acting is very different after even one session. So it's real exciting to get into the research. Right, because being able to track that fight-or-flight hormone like resolving itself and calming down is so critical. Because I, mm-hmm. I see a lot of young people who are hypersensitive to their worlds today because of, as you said, the social media and the competitiveness. I mean, if we have parents lying and bribing to get kids into colleges, you can imagine the exponential fears and anxieties that are being pushed on kids. Everyone responds to anxiety differently. Some people might eat. Some people might get on medication. My attitude with everything is to find a way to get to the root of the problem, go deeper. And it's very clear that with anxiety, it is triggering cortisol levels. And to me, this makes so much sense as a positive way of reframing the brain. I do this with meditation and and teaching people mindfulness so they're in the present moment. But I I just love the success stories that HMR has been able to give people. Do you have any other examples of symptoms that it's really successful with, like migraines or stomach pain or back pain? Yes, HMR is, oh, I don't know, maybe 90-something percent effective in three sessions with migraines. Mm-hmm. Brent even has a video on his website called Migraine Ease, E-A-S-E. And it's about a 30-minute video. It's, it actually is HMR that gives you a chance to do the Migraine Ease for yourself. Mm-hmm. And while I'm mentioning that, our goal is for people, mothers, grandmothers, to, do, to learn HMR and to do it for themselves and their children and their grandchildren. And children do it faster than anybody else. They do HMR so fast once they learn it that I have trouble working with them because it's like, wait, I haven't gone through my procedure yet. You're already (laughs) going on to the next problem. (laughs) So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So we do have several videos on Rent's website to tell you about it. And the one with migraines you can do right for yourself directly from the website using his, his HMR words to correct the migraine problems. Mm-hmm. And with our QEEGs, we had 
a seven-year-old girl who had two seizures. She was averaging two seizures a week. Mm-hmm. And her mother was a medical doctor, and they had given up. She had tried everything she could find. And after the one HMR session, she didn't have a seizure for 18 months. Wow. So it helps with seizures. It helps with chronic pain. Mm-hmm. There's a case in Brent's book of a lady who had chronic kidney pain and had ended up having about five surgeries. And the last surgery actually severed all the nerves on that side of her body so she would not experience any pain anymore. Jeez. And she still had pain. And so in the second HMR session, it, there was a memory of sexual abuse where she actually had some damage to her kidney. But wow. the kidney had been removed and the nerves had been severed. And she was still experiencing the what is called phantom pain, but we now know to be the emotional pain that was still held in the body. Wow. That's powerful. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's really fascinating. Has it ever not worked for someone, and why do you think? We do not like to do HMR with anybody withdrawing from cocaine, for example, mm-hmm. and that's because HMR speeds detox. Oh. And so they can be detoxing too fast. And I think that's only if they're on certain medications mm-hmm. in detoxing. But Brent used to be an addictions counselor, and so he's worked with situations like that. I haven't worked with anybody detoxing from cocaine. Mm-hmm. That's not your normal client, but it's certainly HMR is so important to use in rehab facilities that they need to know that. Mm-hmm. If people are on heavy benzodiazepines, and those are memory blockers, and they're used a lot with PTSD, unfortunately with our veterans as well. And if they've been on benzodiazepines for a long period of time and and a high dosage, we might not be able to do HMR with them. We try because sometimes it's successful. Mm-hmm. But if if we can't get to the memory of the event and the feeling of the event, we can't heal that event or reframe it. Mm-hmm. So benzos can interfere with HMR. What about the someone who has anxiety but has no memory of trauma? I'm thinking of my oldest daughter had a very traumatic birth where her heart rate dropped and she almost died. The umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck. And she had a lot of anxiety around speaking, this fear of speaking when she was younger. And she outgrew it, but it was a long time. I always wondered if her birth had an effect. Can they remember back to when they were born through HMR? Sometimes. The seven-year-old girl with the seizures mm-hmm. had a forceps delivery, but her mother was there working with us in the session, and she reported that. And so we basically reframed that forceps delivery. And then she fell off a changing table and actually hit her head. And then oh. she had an activity later in life even though she was just seven, you know, a very active young girl, and she fell and hit her head again. So we reframed those memories of hitting her head. And to answer your question more specifically, what we do, again, is just not go back through the events. We deal with the emotion. Mm -hmm. So if she's having anxiety, we say, 
uh, first we start with a safe scene and a safe place so the body knows that it is not currently in those events, even though it's feeling triggered by them. Mm -hmm. And then we say, take all your anxiety. Well, first we say, go with the body. Where do you feel the anxiety in your body? And Mm -hmm. there's usually an answer. All of a sudden, they'll have a throbbing in the left elbow or, you know, strange places. We're still working on research to try to make sense of those. Mm -hmm. But we don't have to make sense of them because we know we're healing them. But the example would be, where do you feel the anxiety in your body? And what do you want to do with that anxiety? Can Mm -hmm. you put it at a safe distance in front of you and look at it and realize it's from the past? Mm -hmm. And instead, give your body a message of something it would love to be doing now that feels very, very, very relaxing and calming to you. Mm-hmm. And the client comes up with that all themselves. HMR is very empowering to the client. Unlike talk therapy, we don't decide what we're going to do first. We let the body tell us. And unlike talk therapy, I don't say you should. I say, what do you want to be feeling now instead of anxiety? What would make you feel great? And they might say, I want to be with Grandpa at an ice cream parlor eating chocolate ice cream with multicolored sprinkles. <laughs> you know? It, it often is that simple. Mm-hmm. And then we say, what kind of frame would you put around that? Would you use wood tones or colors or metallics, golds or silvers? And the client chooses the color and then breathes the color and that's simple technique tells the body, wow, I'm not there anymore. I'm not in those bad events. So it neutralizes that emotional charge from those negative events. That's a beautiful way to say it. Mm -hmm. It, Another way of saying, I like that even better, but another way of saying it, it, it gives the body the charge that it needs to get back in balance. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think that's what you were able to do with your body, balance yep. it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Lo- Let's go back to the brain. Mm-hmm. So when we triggered the amygdala and hippocampus, those mm-hmm. base reptilian brain parts grab everything and say, I'm taking over because this is too scary. And when that happens, we know from the QEE genes, there's very little activity in the prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. And that front part is the part where we make executive decisions, where we think, where we organize. Mm -hmm. And the message is the amygdala and hippocampus don't even let the the details of the event get to that part of the brain. Right. So we can't make a logical decision. The decisions we're making are the decisions we would have made and the, the body responses, all the physiology is exactly like it would have been at the time of the trauma. It doesn't matter how many years in the past. Right. You told me about a book. The Body Keeps the Score? Yes, The Body Keeps the Score. And I'm reading it. It's very, very interesting. Isn't it unbelievable? It is. Bessel van der Kolk is, is internationally known as the trauma expert. And this book just describes what's needed with and what HMR does so beautifully. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful book, and I'm working on a book now on HMR, and part of my proposal for the editors and, and publishers 
is to explain other books that are out in the market right now. And Bessel van der Kolk's is the best. It is still, even though it's been out many years, it's still right at the top of the list of bestsellers. I recommend it for everybody. Right. And can you spell his last name for us so everyone can? Yes. His first name is Bessel, B-E-S-S-E-L, and then V-A-N is a separate word, and D-E-R is a separate word, and capital K-O-L-K. Right. Yes, and he's actually in my neck of the woods in Boston, so... He is. Mm-hmm. He does amazing work, mm-hmm. and he works internationally. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to talk with him about HMR a few times, and mm-hmm. he's because EMDR is so powerful and wonderful and helps so many people, mm-hmm. but there's a page in his book, page 257, where he did research with EMDR and compared it to Prozac, for example. Mm-hmm. And EMDR, in the short term and the long term, was more beneficial than Prozac. Well, and the uh, only case where it was weak, it was only a fourth as effective if there was child abuse versus that the trauma occurred initially in adulthood. Mm-hmm. And so there's PTSD and there's CPSD. Uh, CPSD is chronic post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. And chronic means it started at an early age in our childhood. And so EMDR is a fourth as effective for the childhood situation as it is for other situations. And so to me, that is the, the perfect example of the, the need that HMR can feel, feel mm-hmm. because HMR is so powerful with childhood trauma, as, as my case shows. And I also think that a lot of people think if I live in a nice town and if I protect my child and make sure they go on these playdates, that they are free from any type of abuse. And that's not always the case. I I remember years ago bringing my daughter to a playdate. She was supposed to play with the young girl, and the older brother lured her into his room, locking the door, and it was so traumatic for her what she experienced that she couldn't talk about it. She she was frozen. But there was a change in behavior that I didn't really recognize. And she never wanted to go back over that house, obviously, and did not. But I learned later that he abused her. And there's so much shame and guilt around that, that it's hard for parents to believe it. So I, I do Absolutely. think that there are a lot of signs that we need to wake up to. As parents, sometimes they, it might cause an eating disorder. They stop eating. Or they might have stomach pains, migraines. She started to get migraines, and that's pretty young for migraine. We can all learn so much from HMR, even if you have anxiety based on some thought, I, I went on a walk with a friend whose mother wouldn't let her go out to play after she took a shower. She had curly hair and she was like, put this hat on, straighten your hair. Even in her 50s, she was 
putting on her hat and saying, oh, my hair looks awful today. And I was like, your hair looks great. (laughs) So we keep a lot of these messages from childhood long into adulthood when those anxieties could easily be eliminated with this type of emotional reframing. I don't think anything's too small to to try. No, and what Russell Vanderkoek's research, again, is showing that it doesn't have to be a single horrendous event like a a really horrible car accident when several family members passed away. As bad as that is, sometimes chronic pain or chronic feeling of unsafety that starts very early in age when our parents and primary caregivers don't give us a feeling of safety like mm-hmm. mine did. I knew mm-hmm. I had to hold my breath because I didn't ever know what my daddy was going to do. Right. And so sometimes the chronic situation is even worse, particularly if it starts early in life because it affects our brain development. Right. Right. And do you think sometimes even two children in the same family can be affected by trauma and anxiety differently? You know, sometimes I feel like young women that are very compassionate, they tend to be more sensitive to the emotions around them than others. Right. And I'm even finding men who are have the empathic uh, sensitivity. Oh, really? And they certainly are affected more. Mm-hmm. And also, just think of this, even the age of the child at the time of the traumatic event or events mm-hmm. can affect them. And in my case, the oldest child, I tried to protect brother and sister. Mm-hmm. And I was a different age when he was having some of his worst, my father's worst events. And, you know, my, I was 12 and my brother was six. Mm-hmm. And he remembers it differently. And a horrible event when I was nine, he was three. Right. And his perception or his physical closeness to the event, he might have been in a crib, you know, or in a bed napping while I was experiencing something. Right. It makes it harder for working as a family because the family can't experience healing at the same time as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'd love for them to, but they're just not in the same place and they don't need the same healing. Mm-hmm. That's what I find is when people need to be healed, more than they need to hold in the pain. When when the pressure of the pain is greater than the fear of looking at it and letting it go, that's when they can begin to heal. It's all timing. Right, and life's too short to feel pain and anxiety and have panic attacks and and migraines and all the symptoms that I see with young children with Stress. I, I mean, it took me this long to find you and and HMR. So I'm sure there are other people that aren't even researching. I'm in the job to research this. I just am so thrilled to discover it. But how long has it been in operation? How old is HMR? Oh, he started developing it about 30 years ago. Oh, wow. And he was uh, head of Cottonwood and in different rehab centers. Mm-hmm. and he just continues to fine-tune it. And I love how Brent gives credit to all the predecessors who came before him. The T-1 was not his development. I think that was David Grove, who was a psychologist in Australia, mm-hmm. who first said, if you get to the, the, the millisecond of 
freezing or the millisecond when the body shuts down, you can heal everything. Mm-hmm. He just simply put it together in an order that seemed to help the client very simply and calmly be able to get where they need to get. And again, one reason it's not triggering to the client is that we say, what do you want to work on today? Let's start with your safe place and see what the body tells us. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, for example, well, all of a sudden I feel a strong pain right under my ribcage on the right side. And so with our nine questions we ask, all we do as the practitioners is ask the questions and the client has all the answers. Mm-hmm. And so they they say, I don't know why, but I feel like I'm four years old. Well, where might you be at four and what might be happening? Mm-hmm. And they say, well, I don't know. I'm just afraid. And as soon as they give us a feeling word, we don't go back to the whole memory. We say, instead of that at four, what would you like to be doing? Well, I want to be swinging on the swing set, kicking my legs and having my dog bark in joy as I'm giggling. And what kind of frame would you put around it? Mm-hmm. And that's when they choose their color to change that energy frequency in the body. It's just that simple and and that powerful. And the last time we spoke, you mentioned the boy who was grabbed by the elbow. And that was his grandfather? Yeah, that can that? be a trauma, too. You mm-hmm. know, I was four, and I was having fun, and all of a sudden my grandfather got mad and grabbed me by the elbow. Mm-hmm. And so the elbow may hold that memory. The memory may be physically in a place of injury. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of reframing of concussions, for example. Mm-hmm. And so some injuries, some traumas are physical traumas. Mm-hmm. And some are emotional. Right. Well, um, this has been so incredibly helpful for our audience. And I was hoping that you could share how they could get in touch with you because you do HMR via Zoom long distance too. So there's a way for everyone across the country to try to benefit from HMR. Can you give them your contact information? Sure. Uh, I am Karen, K-A-R-E-N-H-L-E-W-I-S, the number two, at gmail.com. And they also can go to my website. I have a new website. It's ahealingpath.life, not .com. Mm -hmm. And Brent Baum's website, healingdimensions.com. Mm-hmm. has several training videos, or you can also find him on YouTube with a lot of videos telling about this and explaining it, and that Migraine Ease is on his website as well. Mm-hmm. And there's a list of other practitioners. So if someone wants someone in their area or would like to work with someone else, there's a list of certified practitioners on his website as well. And there's also www.michaelsgift.org, which uh, is right. a nonprofit you're involved with that they can donate. They can donate. That would be wonderful. Any money we use is for research and education on HMR. And mm-hmm. when I talked with Bessel van der Kolk, he said, Karen, this has helped you so much. You need to spend the rest of your life bringing this forth for other people. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm doing. I um, love it. He described it as very rich, a very rich type of therapy. And he even has recommended it to other practitioners mm-hmm. and therapists who get stuck with their clients. When the physicians are stuck or when the therapists are stuck, sometimes the therapist will call me in and say, I'm at my wit's end. I've tried everything I know in my toolbox. I said, well, you might want to learn HMR. <laughs> right. <laughs> One question I want to ask you. Before you work on people, do you know what happened to them? Is it helpful to have history, or do you prefer to go in meeting the client not knowing anything? That's a really good question. We like to take a history. We're taught that that's best to know what their background is in case they might get triggered and not be able to explain it during the event. But Mm -hmm. HMR almost does the opposite of triggering. It just relaxes and relaxes and relaxes them. Mm -hmm. And I like to put aside their history because it's so much more helpful for them to let the body decide what to do first. Mm -hmm. For example... Usually shame comes up first. And if I try to help them get to their anger or their fear or their level of grief first, Mm -hmm. that may be very overwhelming for them. Mm -hmm. And so we just work with the body. What does the body want to work on first? And what is it telling us? And all the questions we ask pertain to the body. That's why I was so excited to see Bessel van der Kolk's book, The Body Keeps the Score. Mm -hmm. And my response to that is, if the body keeps the score, then let's ask it. And HMR is one of the only therapy approaches that says, let's start with the body. And so I definitely start with the body rather than the client's history when Mm -hmm. in session. I also wanted to mention your website, www.ahealingpath.life, L-I-F-E. Um, and you can also see more about what Karen's doing on ahealingpath.life. Thanks. And I have my daughters, because she was the, the one that helped me find HMR and, mm-hmm. and also heal herself. She's helped our family heal. She has three songs there that she's written and and produced. On your web about that, her experience? Yeah, they're on our web they're on yes, they're on our website. Okay, great. And they're so special. So I would encourage people to listen to those songs. They're real meaningful and real deep. And they talk about some of the same things that we work with in trauma. That's great. Well I really thank you for all you're doing to help people with anxiety. And I really am expecting a lot of people to take advantage of your knowledge and expertise so they can heal themselves and get rid of all anxiety so we can live our lives. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. I love what you're doing to bring this forward. And I look forward to our meeting in person one day. I know. I would love that. All right. Thank you, Karen. Now we're going to try an emotional freedom technique, EFT, which taps into the meridians. So EFT is specifically designed to be a meridian tapping powerful technique that actually uses the energy meridians to clear energetic and emotional blockages. 
and it replaces those limiting beliefs with empowering beliefs. So it's a really simple technique, and it's a little bit easier to visually see it, but I'm going to talk you through it. So you can come up with any type of emotional framing sentence, such as, even though I'm feeling shame, I still love and accept myself. You can change that with, even though I'm feeling guilt, I I still love and accept myself. Even though I am self-critical about my body, I still love and accept myself. Even though I felt angry, I still love and respect myself. Now that I am calm and relaxed, I completely love and respect myself. These are the type of sentences that you can change each time you do it. So we're going to start by tapping our head, the top of our head. So do you take both hands, maybe make a peace sign. So you're just tapping with your two fingers, tapping with both hands on the top of your head. Just keep tapping, keep tapping and say, even though I'm feeling worried, I still love and accept myself. Even though I'm feeling worried, I still love and accept myself. Now start tapping the eyebrows, right above the eyebrows, both hands, tap, tap, tap. Even though I'm feeling worried, I still love and accept myself. Even though I'm feeling worried, I still love and accept myself. Now move to the side of the eye, tap. Even though I'm feeling worried, I still love and accept myself. Even though I'm feeling worried, I still love and accept myself. Move the two fingers underneath your eye and start tapping right underneath the eye. Even though I'm feeling worried, I still love and accept myself. Move to under the nose, tapping. Even though I'm feeling worried, I still love and accept myself. And then right underneath the chin, you can just do one hand with the chin. Even though I'm feeling worried, I still love and accept myself. Now take both hands right underneath the collarbone, and you're going to tap there. Even though I'm feeling worried, I still love and accept myself. Even though I'm feeling worried, I still love and accept myself. Now move to under the arm, like right where your bra strap would be if you're a girl, (laughs) and say, even though I'm worried, I still love and accept myself. Keep tapping. Even though I'm feeling worried, I still love and accept myself. Now, eyes closed, eyes open. Eyes closed. Now look to the left. Look to the right. Back to center. Eyes circle around. And then take your eyes circling around the opposite direction. Now count to five backwards. Five, four, three, two, and one. Now take your hands and just karate chop the side of the hands. And then do the other one just to sort of wake it up. So that's the emotional freedom technique and a simple way to help self-calm based on different statements that can really help you reframe your day. Be sure to subscribe to Mary Kay's Positivity Podcast. And I hope you'll join us again soon. Namaste.